Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. just stop for a little bit of time and and put this virology story aside it opens up the door the opportunity to start asking real questions about um about our health uh about what makes us sick um about uh, the corruption of our political institutions um and uh, i think there's there's just there's there's huge opportunities you just heard Mike Wallach. He is the director of a five-part, seven-plus-hour docu-series called The Viral Delusion. Now, listeners to Post Woke can get a discount to watch this essential docu-series by going to the link in the show notes and using the discount code Mickey, M-I-C-K-E-Y. And you will hear my entire conversation with Mike right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now, let's get back to the show. At the turn of the 20th century, John D. Rockefeller, oil magnate and possibly the richest man who ever lived, turned his predatory attention to the creation of new compounds made from oil, called petrochemicals. They first manifested in a wide range of plastic items, but John Dee was focused on far more than plastic bags. He closely monitored scientific breakthroughs within the realm of medicine. For example, as vitamins were first being discovered, he saw the opportunity to artificially synthesize them by using, you guessed it, petroleum. Suddenly, organically occurring compounds could be patented and owned. Life itself would have a copyright. This sparked Rockefeller's interest in amassing even more billions by A, influencing how medical training was carried out in the U.S., and B, expanding and dominating the pharmaceutical industry. Since the elements of natural healing are available to anyone, the parasite class set, set about to change and control how we, everyday people, view our own health. Drugs and surgery became the norm. Nutrition was downplayed, as was public health and preventative health. Fast forward to 2023, and the way most of us view medicine is the direct result of deliberate measures by those who profit the most from it. 
Now, I could go on and I might say more about this in some closing notes later, but right now I want to introduce someone who is diligently working to shift our awareness on such topics. Mike Wallach is a filmmaker and his latest project is a five-part docuseries called The Viral Delusion. Mike, welcome to Post Woke. Well, thanks for having me on, Mickey. It's It's a pleasure. Likewise, I'm glad you could be here. And I want to uh, jump right in by saying that from listening to you on other podcasts, I've learned that, as is often the case, your awareness and interest in these topics really escalated when the medical industrial complex directly impacted your life through a health issue your wife was facing. So could you share a little bit about that as an entry point into where your mindset is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, like most people, I just took uh, medical information for granted and I took the medical system uh, for granted and assumed that, you you know, everything uh, just that they they were trying to do their best and they had full information. And um, and that was that. Um, But that was until my my wife got really sick Um, when we were about 30 years old and uh, we were living in Brooklyn. Uh, You guys are in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we used to live in Park Slope, and um, one day my my wife's uh, knee started uh, swelling up, and uh, it was pretty bad. It got got to be like the size of a volleyball, and um, and then it it, it swelled up for a few days, and then it went away, and then her other knee started swelling up, and uh, this just kept happening, happening, and happening, and um, it got to the point where it was very painful and very difficult for my wife to walk. so she went to uh, the best rheumatologists that she could find uh, in the city. And, um, and they all said the same thing, uh, which is that she had early onset arthritis, um, that it was genetic, and there was essentially there was nothing they could do. Um, they, they could put her on a steroid treatment uh, that she'd be on for the rest of her life. And um, that my wife later found out uh, would have seriously increased her chances of dying in her 50s. Um, and, uh, and that would decrease the swelling and the pain. Um, but besides that, uh, you know, they just said, get a good cane. And wow. um, I, I still remember, um, you know, coming out of a, a drugstore on 6th Avenue in in Brooklyn and um, and my wife had these tears in her eyes and uh, you know she couldn't walk I mean she was walking with a cane um, let me let me ask and prior to this she was healthy yeah 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 she was perfectly okay. healthy yeah okay. absolutely and very you know health conscious and um, uh, you know always made sure to eat well uh, but here she was this, my beautiful young wife and she was crying on not able to walk. Um, well, I, I had a job at the time where I had to uh, go all the way across the city and uh, I used to drive and I used to listen to um, an alternative radio show. Uh, and I heard this doctor uh, speaking and he was so brilliant. He just sounded so brilliant. I thought to myself, you know, let's, we should, maybe we should go see this doctor. I mean, he, he, um, he had quit the, uh, standard medical system. Uh, he had been the chief pathologist at a hospital in New York and he had left because he was so frustrated with, um, what's called the standard of care, uh, which is the prescribed protocols for how to treat people. And, um, 
So she went to go see him and he, uh, he asked if she was a professional athlete and she said no. Um, and he said, well, what does your bathroom look like? And uh, she said, that's such a weird question, but I hate my bathroom. And he, he said, is the paint peeling on the walls? And she said, yeah. He said, okay, look, we're, we're gonna run some tests, but um, probably what's going on is you have a mold allergy and you just need to get out of your apartment uh, and you'll be fine and stay away from, from mold. Wow. So uh, we did that and um, we left, you know, I think within two weeks or in about two weeks and uh, her condition completely went away um, and, and she was fine and she's been fine ever since. Um, so, you know, she couldn't walk uh, for about a year. And then uh, ever since uh, we became aware of the mold issue, um, she's been fine for more than 15 years. Wow. So, I, feel, I feel like I don't, I don't want to derail us, but there's a, as a New Yorker, I'm like thinking, how did you find an apartment in two weeks? But that's for another podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so you know, it was back in the day when Williamsburg was just exploding. Uh, and, um, okay. Putting up apartments left and right. Okay, there you go. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that I don't mean. Like I said, I don't want to derail, but I couldn't. I couldn't resist asking. Um, then, well, you know, it's, it, it is kind of a New York story because you know one of the one of the wild things about this doctor, um, his name is Majid Ali. Oh, I know who he is. Sure. Yeah. Did yeah. you did, when you heard of him? Was that on WBAI? It was on WBAI. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was yeah. that was the internet in New York before we had the internet. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So you know, he was such a uh, a uh, a great a great guy. He uh, I went in for the second uh, checkup, and um, and he came over, and he was so busy, but he came came into the room, and he grabbed my hand, and he grabbed my wife's hand, and the three of us stood in a circle, and he said, "Listen." Think about all the children that have died in the Iraq war. Think about all the children that have died in sanctions. So that pales in comparison to the Lipitor scam alone. He said, be very careful. Don't ever believe anything you, you read in the new Enron Journal of Medicine. It's all lies. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's referring, you know, to the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, he, and this guy is such a good doctor that, you know, the, the chief Lebovitcher rabbi in New York goes to him, goes to a, a Muslim Pakistani doctor. <laughs> there you go. That's an endorsement right there. Yeah. I mean, he, I read his books and heard him on, on uh, WBI because he's a treasure. Absolutely. Mm. That's so cool. I, I know, I'm not at all surprised that he's the one that immediately identified it. All right. So then you, after so that. The, after that, you 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 had a situation where you were thinking about starting a family, which led you to the quote unquote vaccine question. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, again, I you know, I I came from a very mainstream, you know, accepting uh, uh, position or background. Um, so um, you know, to me, it was well, of course, you're going to vaccinate and and, and so on, um, but. Uh, you know, given the experience that we had had, um, we thought that it, we might as well just do a little research and just kind of, you know, uh, cross our T's and dot our I's and just, you know, find out a little bit about what, you know, what is all this debate about? And the first book that my wife uh, bought was uh, by Mary Holland, um, mm. 
who is a law professor at NYU. And she wrote about the, um, the hidden legal um, battles uh, that have gone on um, in terms of uh, the damages that vaccines have done and the special uh, legal protections that the pharmaceutical companies have uh, gotten for themselves through Congress. And um, there's simply no way that you can walk away uh, from that book uh, without being impacted by uh, how, how overwhelming the evidence is that uh, vaccines have done an enormous amount of damage uh, to people. Um, that how, how, how unbelievably dangerous they are. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's been accepted in, in the US court system and that's why they, the, the pharmaceutical companies created a separate court system um, for vaccine damages um, mm -hmm. because uh, they didn't want to uh, have to pay out all the time. So they, 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 they rigged up a system where uh, even if you sue them for damages, the taxpayer pays the damages that they don't actually pay. Yep. Um, so th that was the beginning of it. Uh, and, but, but there was still this, this kind of hanging issue for me, which was, okay, they're dangerous, but maybe we still have a social responsibility to, um, to take them. Uh, or, or, or we need to think seriously about that. Um, so we kept uh, reading and um, what really, really blew me away was when I, when I learned that the whole story about uh, vaccines um, protecting us from uh, past diseases, um, it, it doesn't, it, it isn't supported by the historical record. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that, that's, that that I found to, just to be absolutely mind blowing. Um, so you know, it's the it's sold today through a million different um, media channels that um, you know vaccines are the reason why we don't have polio today, or we don't have smallpox today, or we don't have pertussis today, or, or many other uh, diseases. Um, but the historical record. Uh, it flies in contradiction to that. Um, that that's uh, that's just not true. And um, the reason why um, diseases uh, such as smallpox, polio, pertussis, and so on uh, went away um, have nothing to do with vaccines. Um, they're, they're 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 each a story, and we can talk about uh, we can talk about that. But. Um, I, I became aware of that at the time. And I remember the book, that the, the first serious um, book that I, that I read about that was a, a fantastic book um, by Dr. Suzanne Humphreys called Dissolving Illusions. And um, if you don't know about her, um, she I'm, was- I'm writing this down as you speak. Oh yeah, well, no, she's, she, she, you know, her work is just really fantastic. Um, she was a, uh, a kidney specialist um, at a hospital in Maine. And um, she noticed that um, people were coming in uh, with serious uh, kidney issues. She was um, putting them on a protocol which would, uh, in her eyes, improve their uh, condition. Uh, and then when she left, um, somebody was coming in and vaccinating her patients. Uh, without her approval. Wow. And, uh, and then she uh, specifically said, listen, uh, and then her patients would um, 
their kidney condition would, would get much worse. And so she put out uh, uh, a call in the hospital um, because uh, usually no medical procedure is allowed without the, without the, the doctor's permission, the, the head doctor in that, in that patient's case. Uh, and she said, um, I don't know how or why this has been happening, but um, this has to stop. Um, I'm noticing that this is seriously uh, hurting my patients. And, um, uh, you know, it, this, this can't go on. And then she was overruled by the head of the hospital. And the head of the hospital said, no, you, you, you may be the chief doctor, but nothing and no one will stand in the way of our vaccinating uh all patients uh, whenever we, we can, basically. And she was just floored by that. I mean, wow. she, she, she had the charts that would show that this was um, hurting and, and possibly killing uh, her patients. And so she uh, tried to get to the bottom of how on earth uh, did this kind of scenario um, come to pass where this, this um, near quasi-religious uh, belief in uh, vaccinating uh, even over the heads of doctors. And um, she ended up writing just this monumental book, as I said, called Vax uh, uh, Dissolving Illusions, um, which just absolutely tears apart the, um, the idea that uh, vaccines had anything to do with um, why smallpox uh, went away um, in the 19th century. And um, also, uh, the story of polio and the story of many other diseases um, wow. and, and makes clear that, that, that um, vaccines had nothing to do with it. So, um, and I, I mean, I could talk just for hours about that, but um, you know, what, what, let me interrupt yeah. for a second. I'm going to put that book in the show notes so people can also check it out as I'm doing. So I, I want to give you space when we get to the, docu-series, perhaps we could pick one of these diseases and talk about the, um, the bust the myth that it was a, a vaccine that saved it. But so I'm going to jump though from you getting this, you and your wife getting this incredible self-education to suddenly where it's 2020 and we're in this um, so-called pandemic that you, you guys must've been so ready to see right through the, the lies that were, that were being put out there and speaking out. And I know that that's caught, that caused some trouble in your personal life and your family, but I would, I would, make the assumption that rather quickly you were, you were pretty skeptical of, of the mainstream narrative. Oh yeah. I mean, at this point, <laughs> at this point <laughs> we had, you know, we'd been doing about 10 years of medical research, <laughs> maybe more, maybe 15. And, and uh, it, <laughs> yeah. So the first, so my first re reaction um, when we started hearing these stories um, of, of what was happening in Wuhan was just to go out and, and, and try to find what different voices were saying. Um, I wanted to just kind of take in um, all the different perspectives on what was happening. Um, and I found, um, I found a, a medical journalist named David Crow, C-R-O-W-E. Okay. Um, and it turned out that, that uh, David had um, been doing uh, what you might call dissident medical journalism uh, for more than 15 or 20 years at that point. Um, so he had just um, dozens and dozens and dozens of past shows that you could listen to. And um, he had uh, what to me was this really wild uh, uh, general uh, 
gist uh, in his perspective on um, on modern uh, disease or on disease. Um, and before I get to that, um, I'll just say it's 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 a uh, his show is called the Infectious Myth, okay. and um, it, it was a, covered a really wide variety of of um, medical issues where he would speak to scientists who were being censored by the mainstream, uh, going all the way back to the early nineties. And, um, wow. he's just, it was just a treasure trove of, of brilliant stuff. Um, you know, and, and, and I just remember listening to this one, uh, show, um, from a scientist who was, um, an expert on, uh, aluminum uh, toxicity. And he had never really looked at the vaccine issue before. And he decided to, to look into it and, and you could just hear the, uh, the horror in his voice as he spoke to David. Uh, about what his findings were when he looked at uh, aluminum and, and vaccines, but um, what 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 David was saying about um, uh, about so much disease uh, was this this thesis that the very idea that there are viruses which uh, spread disease um, that that was not um, that was not really uh, a rigorous scientific idea. Um, that there was a whole machinery of um, of institutions that would um, do science around that idea, or based on the assumptions of virology, but that there were fundamental problems um, with that perspective. Okay, and I was kind of like. Well, okay, that's that's a very uh, profound, <laughs> yeah. uh, profoundly different pers- perspective on on disease, um, and but it's but it 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 jived with what I had already learned about the history of smallpox and the history of polio, and um, and so I thought to myself, well, okay, if 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 that's even potentially true, because here was this really extraordinarily knowledgeable and, and very cogent uh, journalist, um, you know, talking about this and, and interviewing scientists who were who were also saying this. Um, if that's even remotely possible, then what about AIDS? Like, yeah. what, what is their interpretation of AIDS? And so I began to do. Uh, a tremendous amount of research on AIDS, and um, what were the the were, was there another perspective on AIDS? Um, and what I discovered was that there was um, this is that the, the, the story of AIDS is one of the most um, unbelievably censored uh, and oh, controlled yeah. stories um, out there. And yeah. let me cut yeah. you. I, I'm, I actually know Celia Farber who, who was covering oh, okay. it at the time and she's been on oh. the show a couple of times and she, um, as a go-to person on this topic is, is just a revelation and, and it, it, and also it launched Fauci at the same time. So it's, it's such a, a, a high, like you said, censored, but also now like memory hold that nobody ever really talks about it and very rarely even makes the connection of it to COVID in particular or viruses in general. But, but I just wanted to cut that in there, but, but keep, please keep going. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I, Celia uh, ended up uh, um, coming to my house and doing a, a about a, five hour interview. Um, and she's just phenomenal. Yeah, she's we, awesome. We've been, 
friends ever since. Um, you know, she was a young reporter uh, in in the eighties, and um, when when the government in eighty five uh, announced that uh, HIV was the sole uh, cause of uh, AIDS, and uh, and that's it, and that um, all all research, all future research on AIDS would uh, have to start with the assumption that uh, HIV was the cause of AIDS if it was to receive any um, mm -hmm. grant funding. Um, well, uh, Celia um, happened to uh, chase down uh, Peter Duisberg, who was at the time considered um, really one of, if not the most eminent uh, virologists in the country. And uh, Duisberg uh, had, he was a, a, a a scientist at UC Berkeley, and uh, he had put out a paper um, in a, a journal called Cancer Research uh, that said essentially um, this idea that uh, HIV, that there's a virus called HIV, which is responsible for AIDS, is not only ludicrous, it's completely contradicted by all of the evidence that we have. Uh, and he, and in this article, um, I think he wrote, it was like something like 18 uh, clear um, reasons why uh, it simply couldn't be that there was a virus um, causing AIDS. And um, he became persona non grata at that point um, mm -hmm. from the NIH and the CDC. Uh, he had been receiving uh, their most uh, prestigious grant, uh, the National uh, Science uh, Award or something like that, uh, in which he'd be given like a million dollars to do whatever research he wanted because his, his, his reputation was that impeccable. Um, so he had received a number of those. Um, he was uh, really, uh, you know, considered the best of the best. Uh, well, they, they ripped apart his funding um, and they, uh, he never got another, he never got another grant uh, again uh, from the government, uh, after publishing that, that piece. And, um, they very much tried to destroy his career and his reputation. Um, and Celia tells this incredible story, um, which is in the doc, um, of, uh, this time when a, a major news show, um, decided to interview him. It was like a Good Morning America type show. And they, they flew him to New York City because he, you know, here's, this is a big story. I mean, basically the, the, the nation's, you know, most prestigious virologist says the government is flat out wrong in its uh, diagnosis of AIDS. And uh, he was about to go on when he got a, a phone call. And, uh, and they said, we're so sorry, Mr. Duisberg, but uh, something's come up and we cannot have you on the show uh, today. And so he said, okay. And he, and he, you know, he's about to leave his hotel room, but he didn't. And so, uh, you know, an hour later when his show, when the show came on that he was supposed to be, ha have been interviewed for, he turned on the, the TV to watch it and find out what was this big new story. And, and what he discovered was that instead of interviewing him, uh, they were interviewing Fauci and, uh, and what that means is that Fauci and his apparatus had been spying on Duisburg uh, so uh, meticulously that they knew uh, exactly uh, when uh, 
a media outlet was going to interview him. And they were able to uh, cancel that interview and insert uh, themselves, insert Fauci instead. Um, wow. So that's, that, that's the level of, um, the meticulous level of censorship uh, that, that, that was going on all the way back in 85. Or 80, yeah, you know, it was so. like they were refining it then to, to turn it into what it's become now. So I, w- I would then make the very safe assumption that as you were doing this research, this self-education, and began to question, perhaps for the first time in your life, um, the whole virus um, concept, that would, would be the motivation to create a documentary with a title like The Viral Delusion. Oh yeah, I mean, once once the whole story clicked, um, it was I, I couldn't believe that that there hadn't been a documentary filmmaker to have told this story before. I mean, yeah. you know, um, you know, yeah, I, I want to help society, and um, I want um, you know people to uh, stop uh, telling me what to do with my body, but also just as a filmmaker, I was like, this is this is one of the most extraordinary stories in, in, in all of history. Absolutely. And, um, this is what an opportunity to uh, be able to tell that story and, and uh, try to tell it um, as best as, uh, as I could. Um, and, you know, when I first started out, I, 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 my, my intention was to make a, you know, like a two hour documentary about it. And I, uh, I pretty quickly discovered <laughs> that that was just never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, Once that um, can of worms yeah. is open, it's like, how many parts is this going to be? <laughs> yeah. I mean, as I, say, I tell people, like, I've got all these incredible interviews, you know, sitting on a hard drive because I, at some point I had to stop, you know, it's seven and a half hours. I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop. I got to get <laughs> this out there. Um, but, you know, yeah, I could have, I mean, really just extraordinary stuff. I had, I had scientists, you know, when I first, um, started i i uh, I had never made a documentary before and um i didn't know if anybody was going to call me back i mean i i I had left word with these extraordinarily brilliant um scientific minds uh who 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 had been uh making this case and who were making the case uh currently and uh I, i i you know well are they they don't know who i am i'm not i'm nobody you know um, but what I found out is everybody called me back because uh, the censorship is so uh, it's it's so pervasive that yeah. they were dying to get their story out. Um, and uh, you know, I, and then at the end of the day, I had scientists who were you know uh, writing me emails, furious emails, like why didn't you include me without <laughs> your documentary? And I was like. I just didn't have, I, I didn't, yeah. you know, that's going to feel good though. I mean, it, it's like that. It's like the viral delusion was the place to be. It's like, Hey, this is where, this is the landing spot for people who want to talk about this issue. Um, wow. And this is, so this is your first time, first documentary. Had you directed any feature films or you were primarily working as a writer in films prior to that? Uh, I was, I was only working as a screenwriter. Okay. Um, you know, and, and of course, working as a screenwriter means that you, you work here and there and, you know, suddenly you get a great opportunity and then, you know, years go by and, and nothing's going on. But, but I had, uh, yeah, I had, I'd been working as a screenwriter. Okay. And, and then this um, story of yeah. a lifetime just, just basically arises for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, uh, there, uh, there, there was a, another, uh, fellow who lived, um, 
I had moved up to Woodstock, New York at that point, and a, a friend of mine um, joined me in, in making the doc with me. And, uh, and it was just, uh, you know, just one revelation after another as we, as we started heading, you know, around uh, the country, uh, interviewing doctors and, and scientists and journalists and um, telling this massive story um, that's, that's really never been told. There had been um, a couple uh, documentaries about um, AIDS uh, that, that are um, very good. Um, one's called House of Numbers. Okay. Um, and, uh, but besides House of Numbers, um, really there was very little out there um, that uh, exposes the fraud that is um, virology and um, the wild misdiagnosis of uh, disease um, that has uh, come to pass uh, due to these um, fraudulent and pseudoscientific theories. And um, obviously uh, with the stakes as high as they were uh, given the last three years, um, it was, you know, there were, there were scientists and doctors coming out of the woodwork to, um, to, to, to really get into the nitty gritty and, and open up the hood so that people who, um, you know, lay people uh, like you and me could um, understand uh, what the hell uh, was happening here. Yeah, it, it's because it's so counterintuitive in a culture that, you know, as I mentioned in the introduction, a culture that's been programmed for over a hundred years to see medicine a particular way. And, you know, if, if, if I'll give you an example, if, if somebody says, if, if someone tells if person A tells person B, you know, they've never isolated SARS-CoV-2. If you type that into Google, I have it open on my desktop right now. The first result is a Reuters fact check, which leads with CDC document does not say that SARS-CoV-2 does not exist. Like they, they, they've closed, there's so many gatekeepers to close these gates before people can get into and, and learn more about it. And you know, it, it would almost would be cliche to say to a doc, a first time documentarian, like, what surprised you most during the making of the film? I feel like, is was there anything that didn't surprise you during the making of this film? I mean, it's it's so unlike, like you you know, you didn't make a documentary about a racehorse, like this, like no, the, you you unraveled something and opened up this massive Pandora's box in in such a powerful way. I mean, I would say, I mean, I, I hate to be. Um uh pejorative like this but um I, I think the one thing that sort of did surprise me was that there there were a number of people who wanted to speak on this issue uh in the uh yes viruses exist of course viruses exist camp and once um once you're educated uh, to understand uh, the all of the nuances of um the uh, experimental record like what you know, so-called science actually has been done and what science is done and how it is that scientists claim to, you know, have, have found a virus and all this kind of thing. Um, once you understand that, uh, and then you begin speaking to the people who say, oh, yes, of course there's a virus. It, it shocked me how, how, um, how ignorant they were. They didn't actually, they, they, they didn't, they, they hadn't actually read the scientific papers. They hadn't actually read, you know, the methodology. They hadn't, really thought about any of it um they didn't even know most like very basic questions uh, about it so um you know as dr sam bailey who's been a um who's in the doc and who's um been very outspoken on this issue you know 
she, she said, you, 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 you say something like this and you keep waiting for the other foot to drop. You know, you keep waiting for them to pull out of their desk drawer that missing study, you know, that, 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 that proves it all along. And then uh, eventually you, you realize they don't have that study. Wow. It doesn't exist. And, um, and they've had, you know, a hundred, you know, it's been over a hundred years of um, so-called uh, virology research. So, um, it, it it's it's the whole thing's a, a house of cards it's unbelievable yeah it's it's as i'm listening to you speak i'm just thinking of 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 this is like an article of like cult like faith faith where um they know on some level that they don't have the proof but perhaps they even think that there's someone higher than them that could open that drawer and find that paper you were talking about because so much has been invested in this particular theory, many other faulty medical theories that to, to say, you know what, after watching your documentary, I'm realizing this whole thing could be bullshit because that would just, they're so closely identified with, the medical industrial complex and this as their personal mission in life that it would they would see it as like they, they would lose so much face in in their own mind if they were to admit that something they believed for a long time wasn't true as opposed to saying oh my god this is so eye-opening now i can do even better work it's just it's the, it feels very cult-like where you, you the thought process has a point where it can't go beyond Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a thing. It's like there's there are all these revelations that happen, you know, constantly in in medical science. Um, you know, I mean, just like uh, six months ago or a year ago, some you know big article came out saying that the um, you know the chemical balance theory of um, of psychological health uh, uh, turns out to be wrong. Mm -hmm. That that's that's actually not uh, supported by science and. Um, but most people can can kind of hear that and go, oh, that's that's interesting. Okay, wow. I guess the chemical balance theory isn't right. But if you tell people that 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 um, it turns out that virology is pseudoscience and that the uh, virus theory of disease uh, also turns out to be wrong, uh, there's a lot of people who have a sort of instinctually negative reaction to that. They just that 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 sort of triggers them. And it's kind of funny. It's just, it, it, again, this is just a, a, a scientific theory that turns out to be wrong. Um, but uh, it's been very ingrained in our culture. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I remember like, like I bought my son a, an old, like classic NES Nintendo system uh, when he was like seven. Okay. And, um, and we used to play these old video games. And one of them is Dr. Mario, where, um, you know, there's, there are these, all these viruses attacking you and then you throw a pill at them to defeat the, the viruses. Wow. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievably ingrained in our culture um, that uh, viruses are real and that they cause disease. And um, it's, it would be, you know, preposterous to argue otherwise. Yeah, preposterous yeah. is the, is the word. It's, it's like you're almost, unless you're, you're armed with as much knowledge as, as you've, um, collected during this process, you might even be hesitant to make such a statement because it sounds so preposterous. And and that long time conditioning. I mean, it's not specifically viruses, but you go all the way back to like board games, like 
operation where it's teaching kids like the normalizing surgery as a solution towards things. It's, it's, it's so insidious, but, but nuanced that if you talk about it, you sound like a quote unquote conspiracy theorist. But when you realize that the, the massive amount of billions and billions of dollars that have been made, trillions have been made, you, why would you discount any of these steps as just as logical steps in any profit making enterprise? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, controlling the, the the intellectual culture is is always been, um, you know, it's always got gone hand in hand with power, right? I mean, yep. you, you have the, the 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 kings and the priests that were always, um, you know, were fi- trying to find ways to be in league with each other because if you could, um, you know, influence how people think, then you know, it's easier to rule them. So uh, I, I it, concur. Way back, I mean. You know, and even I've been, I was reading this book, uh, The Drug Trust by Morris Beale, um, which was written in the 40s. He was absolutely furious at the AMA. Um, and he, he uh, looks at the history of Rockefeller medicine and, and the history of um, the AMA and talks about how um, the AMA really, um, the institution that we know today is the AMA really got going under a fellow named Fishbein, uh, who um, turned it into this this uh, absolutely massive combine by essentially by shaking down uh, all the independent um, drug makers and food purveyors and saying you have to advertise in the AMA medical journal um, or uh, or we're going to uh, or we're not we're going to say you have a bad product. You know, you don't have a healthy product. Wow. And, um, and then, uh, you know, took, was able to do that very successfully. If you, if you bought a big advertising package, he would give you the AMA seal of approval and, and so on. And if you didn't, they would badmouth your, your, your medicine or your whatever, your butter, whatever it was. Um, and then they took that money and they used that to lobby the state legislatures um, so that uh, the legislatures would create a licensing process for doctors and that the licensing process would only include uh, AMA doctors. It wouldn't include uh, doctors from other uh, backgrounds. So, um, you know, the, this had created a situation where if you were a, a, a chiropractic school or a, a school of, of natural medicine, um, you your graduates wouldn't become licensed as doctors uh, because they weren't AMA. Yeah. So um, he was able to completely destroy medical education in this country um, that wasn't controlled by the AMA. Yeah, it's like and strong then, arm mafia tactics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the, the, the entire intellectual environment of the country has uh, been affected by its political and economic history. I mean, there's, that's not, it's, it shouldn't really be a, yeah. a, a shopping thing. Yeah, it's not breaking news, but unfortunately, part of the fact that it's been affected makes that sound um, not even like breaking news. It makes it sound like something to be mocked. And and that's why we need more of uh, documentaries like this. Let, let me. We have about five minutes, so I want to. I want to ask you sp- more specifically about the documentary. Um, when, when did it um, first come out? Like, when was it first available? Um, what type of responses have you been getting? Uh, do you feel like you're reaching um, 
enough mainstream viewers as opposed i mean there's a built-in audience of people who have have uh, really really grown in skepticism over the past three years but what's it like for a, a mainstream person to see the viral delusion and begin trying to grasp the realities within that and and how they impact them as individuals. So that's a bunch of questions, but basically tell me what it's been like since the movie's come out. I mean, it's been, it's been extraordinary. I mean, you know, I've had like a number of, um, of, of emails that people have written me, uh, you know, from nurses, uh, scientists. I mean, I had one lab scientist group, Right, right to me, and she said, "You know, listen. I, I've spent my entire career in a hematology lab. Uh, I always had a bad feeling about the the work we were doing, um, and I, I never really understood what was going on in, until I saw this your documentary. And I realized that uh, you know, uh, for decades, I, 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 I've been participating in fraudulent work. And um, but I'm I'm so glad to be finally free of it and to understand <laughs> what was going on." You know, I've, and, and I've had numerous uh, emails like that. Um, Whoa. And, um, but I've also discovered that there's a lot of fantastic doctors out there who, who are well aware of this history. Um, and um, there's just this, there's, a, there's, there's an intellectual uh, revolution uh, that's happening where people are discovering history. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, I suspected might be the case, but I wasn't sure. Um, was what was the history of speaking out about this? And I discovered that there was really a, a there's there's been a long history of this. Oh, great. Um, you know, just just to give people a, a quick example, um, you know, in in uh, eight the late eighteen nineties, the Encyclopedia Britannica asked uh, Charles Creighton, who was uh, one of uh, London's most eminent doctors. To write the uh, the encyclopedia entry for um, uh, vaccination, uh, and at that time, vaccination was pretty linked to smallpox. And so he went about um, gathering up the data, all the data that he could find, and um, and then wrote a, a an entry for the Encyclopedia Britannica, and it and it said, uh, "Vaccination is a myth." Uh, to my surprise, um, vaccination has uh, had no positive impact on um, the incidence of smallpox. And uh, if anything, it's, you know, contributed to uh, an increase in uh, disease. And um, that's, uh, <laughs> the, the encyclopedia was, was actually then bought by Rockefeller, uh, shut down. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, editorship was shifted over to um, Oxford, and then um, a, a, an edition was skipped, and then a new edition came out in like 1910 or something. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, so we're talking about a really long uh, history, and there were some fantastic doctors, uh, uh, Scobie, uh, uh, I can't remember uh, all their names right now, who spoke out in the 50s against um, the claim that polio was was uh, caused by a virus and uh, made themselves very clear. They made the science very clear uh, that, that the claim that polio was caused by a virus was nonsense. Uh, and uh, it was obviously uh, uh, the result of, uh, of industrial poisoning. Um, and... Uh, it's just, 
it, it, there's such a, a litany of scientists who have spoken out um, over the decades um, on these issues. Um, that, I'm really, that, I'm really yeah. glad to hear that. It's it's so encouraging, and it's also really important because it's easy for people to watch a documentary like yours and then actually swing from one type of black and white thinking to another type of black and white thinking where every single doctor is a pawn in this giant conspiracy and none of them ha have ever spoken out or, no or, or none of them are capable of writing the type of emails you're talking about receiving saying, oh my God, thank you for connecting the pieces I couldn't put together. Now I can now I can do things differently because it's it's just there's no benefit in that in those in that all or nothing t um, mindset and and I think that the powers that shouldn't be are aware of that because when I've interviewed people in the medical field they are very concerned with the fact that so much there's so much control by the insurance companies and now the introduction of artificial intelligence where the these bots are doing the diagnosing and the prescribing, and it's very, it becomes increasingly harder for practitioners to do stuff outside of the accepted protocols unless they step outside of the insurance system. Yeah, I mean, and and you know that's one of the things that really upset a lot of doctors uh, early on in the in the whole COVID narrative was that the ability to. Um, diagnose their patients was was being taken away from them yep uh, they would be given they were being given these very strict protocols um you know if somebody comes in uh you have to test them uh for covid uh if this you know so-called covid tests uh spits out a positive um response then you have to follow these um protocols uh and you know so so you know, whereas it used to be uh, that it was considered a rule of thumb that 90% of a diagnosis was uh, the patient's history. Uh, you know, it was just talking to the patient, understanding what had happened to them. So uh, we're, we're, we've been uh, on the road toward this, um, you know, pseudoscientific medicine for a long time, but it's really increasing at an exponential rate now. Um, you know, where they're pushing this, uh, they're starting to push this idea of individualized, you know, mRNA based uh, medicine. And, um, you know, the track record on that is, of course, yes, uh, that it's all fraud. Yeah. And I mean, just again, uh, yet all the more reason that we need people putting together um, any type of content, like, for example, your five part documentary, where I, I have faith that as more people are exposed to this information, it will sink in because everyone you speak to on some level has a distrust of the medical system, in particular health insurance. I know, I've never met anyone who doesn't have 10 terrible health insurance stories. So it's like we know on some inherent level that the system is, is corrupt and needs to change, but it's a scary thought to think about bringing something down unless you have the facts. And and your the viral delusion is, is something that offers us facts. So as we wrap up on that note, um, two questions. Um, I, I know you're busy promoting this and, and you know getting it to as many eyes and ears as you can, but I'm wondering what's next for you? Are you going to do more documentaries? And again, as we wrap up, what would you want to say as the take-home message uh, for listeners to this particular podcast? Oh, wow. Um, well, we'll do the take-home message okay. first, I guess. Um, I, I think that... Uh, as 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 Dr. Uh, Ali had told me, be very careful of um, what you read and what you hear, um, not just from the uh, 
mainstream medical establishment, but just from the the, the echo chamber uh, and and that that repeats these mantras and um, and all the assumptions that have been embedded in our society. Um, you know, I, I interviewed David Rasnick, a forty year biochemist um, who's been working on these issues for a long time. And I asked him about the state of science and he, I, he used to turn to me and go, Mike, science is dead. You don't understand. It's just, it's just people playing with technology, but there aren't fundamental questions being asked anymore. You can't get question-based science funded anymore. Um, and, and he really, um, sort of he wanted people to remember that you know science is asking questions science is thinking critically about um the world around you and um we've we've got to um ask these questions for ourselves now um because our institutions have become so corrupted that uh they're they're not they're not doing it anymore and they haven't done it for a very long time. And um, if it wasn't aware to uh, us 10 years ago, because it was sort of not a question that was on our, our, our plate, well, it's on our plate now. And um, I know that once I started to make these realizations and ask these questions um, and start to uh, read history, read scientific papers, think through these questions on a very fundamental level. Um, my health, the health of my family, the health of my wife, the health of my son, it all improved tremendously, tremendously. Nice. Uh, I, could, I could tell so many stories about just, just that alone. Um, so, you know, I, I think that there's really, um, there's so much opportunity for us, um, for us all to, become healthier, to have a healthier politics. Um, at the end of the day, um, the whole uh, story of virology has, has played um, a fundamental role in uh, distracting us um, from uh, the role of the environment um, in, our, in our own health. And um, that's, that's really um, the meat of it which is that the food we eat, the air we breathe, the water we drink, um, what, what's impacting all of that? And, and it, if we stop, if we can just stop for a little bit of time and, and put this virology story aside, it opens up the door, the opportunity to start asking real questions about, um, about our health, uh, about what makes us sick, um, about uh, the corruption of our political institutions, um, and uh, I think there's there's just there's there's huge opportunities um, to build a better society and to have a better personal um, life that's that's uh, less less anxious um, and and healthier. So um, amen to that. You know, I think there's there, there, there's a lot of um, there, there's a lot of good that can come out of all of this. You know. 
I couldn't agree more. And I'm, I'm hoping you're going to continue doing that work. And I do want to, before we completely wrap up, is mention that um, listeners to this episode or this podcast in general, um, the viral delusion is a five point, uh, five part. How many hours total is it now? Seven and a half hours. So it's seven and a half hours, and normally it's eleven ninety nine for access to. You can get the first part for free, so the full access is eleven ninety nine. But if people go to the link that's going to be in the show note and use the discount code Mickey M I C K E Y, they will get all five parts for nine ninety nine. So thank you for doing that, and I'm sure you're going to get some some listeners from this very very enlightening conversation. Uh, I hope we do. And uh, Nikki, thank you for having me on. It's uh, it's always uh, exciting and inspiring when I find out that there's other people who, who want to have these conversations. So. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here. I trust you're enjoying this episode, but I wanted to take a quick break to request that you seriously consider becoming a paid subscriber to Post Woke, because Post Woke is more than this podcast, which is a weekly podcast with crucial, important conversations with crucial and important guests. Post Woke is also a Substack on which I post on a daily basis. I'm talking about written posts. And I, first and foremost, I am a writer. I have 12 books out and I have been writing for many decades. And so you're getting quality content at least once a day, all for $5 a month. And no matter what you decide, you can become a free subscriber if you choose. I ask you to please share the link and spread the word. And while you're at it, Check the show notes for information on how to order the post-woke t-shirt. It is a completely cool, kick-ass shirt, and you could show the world what your favorite podcast and Substack is. So I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I urge you to spread the word, and let's get back to the show. Thank you for listening, and I want to point you all in the direction of the show notes. There are a lot of resources in there. Um, All the content that Mike um, mentioned in our conversation is linked in there. And also because I referenced Rockefeller Medicine and said I may get to it later, I included in the show notes a link to one of my posts on the topic. And of course, again, if you want to watch uh, The Viral Delusion, the five-part, seven-plus-hour docu-series, go to the link provided in the show notes, use the discount code Mickey, M-I-C-K-E-Y, and you'll get a reduced price on this essential viewing. And basically, the entire um, message of this movie is self-education, it's empowering people, it's spreading the word, and it's keeping your guard up.